0: your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So are you ready to recover from reality? We all
1: have these moments in our life that we get scared. It's a human experience and you are safe to feel fear. You are safe to feel afraid. You're safe to get nervous being vulnerable, like whatever the thing is. And, you know, for me, it's, It's just this reminder all the time that I came here for this human journey and part of being human is having all of these feelings. Mm. And if we weren't meant to have them, they wouldn't exist. Yeah. And I really believe that with all of my heart. And I've, I've given myself the gift of these practices that are so simple. And I'm sure you have many of them in your tool belt as well but these practices that can help me find my center when everything else
0: feels overwhelming. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. (laughs) Sorry, I had to. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Kelsey Patel. I couldn't help myself, you guys. I watched Tiger King. I got on the bandwagon It is insane. I just finished the recap with Joe McHale, which brought back memories of me being on the soup back in 2009 and 2010 all the fucking time. He used to rip me to shreds on a regular basis. Maybe we should get Joe McHale to come on the podcast. That would be kind of epic. Um, But yeah, this week we have Kelsey Patel on the podcast. She's an LA-based certified Reiki master. She's a motivational speaker and a meditation teacher specializing in my favorite thing that I've been talking about all the time lately, emotional freedom technique tapping. Um, Kelsey's book comes out this month, Burning Bright. And so I had her on the podcast um, to talk about how she's turned her, you know, emotional pain, which turned into physical pain, into her purpose. And it's a pretty great story. And we just kind of riff like girlfriends back and forth. So it's a really relaxed, laid back interview. I don't even want to call it an interview; a chat where we're just discussing many important topics. Um, let's see. Are there any updates on things going on in the community? Not that I can think of. I'm still at home like you all <laughs> quarantined. Um, and I just want to say that I'm continuing to hold space for you guys and just giving so much thanks and gratitude for all of the essential workers and all of the service members and all of the doctors and all of the nurses and all All of the people who are out there on the front lines of this, you guys aren't going unnoticed by me. Other than that, we're just going to keep putting out content every week because I love you guys. And yeah, that's all. With that, here's Kelsey's episode. So you had mentioned that in the beginning of the book, you wrote about your mom's struggles with addiction alcoholism. Yeah. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. What was that experience like for you growing up? And were you... Some kids are very in tune and cognizant of that going on. And for me being the empath that I am, I knew something was <laughs> up. And then some kids are like, wait, what? My mom was an alcoholic and they could like, <laughs> come to terms with it. Like when they're 25 years old. Yes. Yes. And yes. Um, You know, it, Actually,
1: funny enough, I was both. So I knew that my mom struggled with depression because that's a very obvious thing where you can't really get around the fact that somebody's like sleeping for 16 hours and there would be these waves that my mom would go through, which would look like... You know, there were times where it was very manic, where she'd be like on a Tuesday and she had a full time, very, very professional job. Ironically, she was the drug and alcohol counselor of all the high schools in the town. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in a small town um, in North Dakota. It's not small for the state, but small in general for many other people. And so you know, moments where she would be baking at three o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday was a little odd. And then there would be the times where the crash would come, which was later diagnosed as extreme bipolarity. So mm-hmm. her cycles were just very extreme, which is why it was she it was hard for her to get diagnosed for many years. Um, so that was the more obvious part for me as a child of like, oh, mom's now really sad and not not able to really get up and have meals and doesn't have a lot of energy to do things. But the alcoholism was actually the part where I didn't know. And I found out years later that she would hide her beer cans in my, I used to get sweaters at the thrift store and like loved thrift store shopping. And she would hide her beer cans in my sweater closet and just different things where I didn't have the awareness of that. So, um, yeah, it was, very confusing um, as a child. And I think a lot of it, especially in the Midwest and in North Dakota, was not talked about. So then for me, it was something where I felt like I had to just deal with it and get my bootstraps on and like keep Mm -hmm. going. And I actually then turned that into my life program. Yeah. Just keep going, keep working, keep doing. Stay busy. Stay so fucking busy Mm -hmm. that like nothing can stop me. And I suffered very deeply from it. And I had anxiety and I had excruciating back pain at a very young age. And I just didn't
0: know how to get off of the hamster wheel. We all have something that we want to change about ourselves, whether it's spending too much time on social media, that's me, or wanting to start a new hobby. But if you're like me or like most people, taking action can feel impossible without the right support. That's where Talkspace comes in. Talkspace online therapy is the most convenient and affordable way to make lasting change in your life with the support of a licensed therapist. Send your licensed therapist text, audio, picture, or video messages from your phone or computer whenever you need to, even if it's on the way to work. You don't have to make appointments or deal with extra commutes. Everything happens within Talkspace's secure platform all on your schedule. Talkspace matches you with a licensed therapist based on your needs and preferences. They have thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties. So if you have something very specific that you want to work on, they will find someone right for you. Once you're matched, you can begin therapy that same day. Many people think therapy is just about analyzing dreams or digging into painful memories, and that can be really powerful. But it's a great tool for developing coping skills, dealing with stress, and getting the accountability that you need to achieve your goals. The bonus is that it's right at your fingertips. No longer do you need to drive into a therapist's office and spend that extra time away from your family or doing something that you love with that commute. The bottom line is that life can be hard and Talkspace wants to give more of us the support that we need at a price that we can afford. As a listener of this podcast, you get $100 off your first month on Talkspace. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure that you use code ALEXIS25 to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's ALEXIS25 At TalkSpace.com. I want to introduce you to something that everybody needs in their life, which is Adderall and compliments, which is also the name of my podcast. I'm Annabelle, and every week I want you to come kiki with me and my hilarious friends as we talk about everything from reality TV to dating fails, mental health. I promise it will make you laugh, and most importantly, it will make you feel so much better about your own life. So come join me and my baby stripper voice every Friday on
1: iTunes, Spotify, and follow me on Instagram at Annabelle's Sisto and give me the greatest
0: gift of all, which is validation. So much of our physical pain is just emotional pain. Uh, the vast majority. Yeah. I remember reading uh bits and pieces of Dr. Sornos's book and going, Oh, this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Yeah. I can like the, it the click it clicked. And yeah. I was like, yeah, a lot of my physical pain, physical pain and this is interesting, and a lot of people are going to go, you're a kook. But um, I would even say the very the experiences that I had in my births, my blood clot that I had and almost died from when my baby was eight days old, all of those things were my body going, This there's something wrong. Wow. I know, and I'll tell you my reasoning behind that, and it's because as a child— my emotional pain was seen as too much. I was the black sheep of the family. I was the—my um, my word, I knew what hypochondriac mm-hmm. meant by the time I was six because I was called it so much. I just got chills. Meanwhile, I was being raped at five, and ha- my father was physically violent. And so when I would tell my mom these things that were happening, specifically with my father, not with my sexual abuse— Um, I was always told I was too dramatic. And so I would act out and create chaos in Mm -hmm. order for people to see me. And later on in life, I do believe that my body and my circumstances and the things that I was attracting in my life were a result of me saying, see me, hear me. And it was unprocessed in Buddhism. It's Called dukkha, like the dark stuff that was just lingering around
1: in me. I also know that for so two things came up right away when you said that is one, it's the energy of of like fear and just like I'm scared, you know, like that the parts of you that never got heard when you had fear and you were scared and nobody held you mm-hmm. and gave you that comfort that we need as humans at any age, by the way. And one of the other components that I heard right away when you were sharing that is also when we give child when we give birth to children, which I've never physically done. I have two stepchildren, um, but I have many friends that have, and I look into all of this stuff, there's actually a purge and a detox that happens in the body when you Absolutely. give birth, which is why complete sidebar. But for those out there that are pregnant, that have been pregnant, that want to get pregnant. That is why it's so important to have clean food and clean Mm -hmm. products because when you give birth, that is a detox to your body and it comes out through the womb. And so the child then receives all of it.
0: But emotional too. Yeah. The reason, and I know some people are going to go, this is woo-woo. I don't think so much in my community, but anyone who's newly listening to this podcast (laughs) and this is their first episode, they're going to go, holy shit, what are you talking about? My undealt with it wasn't that I hadn't dealt with my sexual trauma, I just hadn't. Re- I, I'd started scratching the surface, yeah, but I hadn't done the like deep and still I'm healing that wound. Uh, the difference is back then it was an open wound that I was slowly stitching up, and now it's like a scar that's still purple and slowly fading. Mm. Um, But I wanted this home birth and I was going to control the environment and everything was going to be perfect and no one was going to even look at my vagina. I was going to deliver my baby in the water so no one could even see anything. No one could touch my vagina. Nothing. I wanted to have this like perfect, pure, nobody look at me. This is my experience because giving birth after you've endured sexual violence is can be a very traumatic experience. And for me, it was. And I didn't want to address that, though. Um, So my reasoning was, like, the C-section rates are so high and everyone's dying from C-sections and the maternal... So I had all of these other things, which are all very true and valid. Um, But for me, I really wanted to control that. And I ended up having an emergency C-section. Whoa. She, her butt came out instead of her head. And so we transferred and had a C section. Is that an accident? No fucking way. No. No. Impossible. You, had to, <laughs> you had to face it. baby. My baby and my body were telling it. me we're doing this. We're doing this. And in, I didn't have the tools back then and it sent me into PTSD and I ended up having postpartum depression and anxiety. And then I had a miscarriage because I hadn't dealt with it still. Mm. No coincidence. And then it took me an entire year to get pregnant again. And in that year, I started to kind of do that work. And I ended up having an amazing VBAC. But there was trauma that was incurred during that pregnancy. And so what did my body do? I ended up having a blood clot. Oh, and also you are Mm -hmm. probably don't feel
1: this way all the time. But you're very lucky that you have such a deep connection to yourself and to source or whatever you call mm-hmm. it, that you are receiving the lessons and receiving the yeah. very front, like in your face, yeah. experiences to work and through. It's stuff. painful because it's so much
0: coming to terms of the fact that I'm creating this chaotic reality uh, is brutal, <laughs> and it's interesting because. When I was five and being sexually abused, I didn't choose that. I didn't manifest that into my reality, right? Absolutely. But as a result of not not having the opportunity to heal, and then later in life not healing and instead coping with drugs, and then re-traumatizing myself, I created physical expressions of pain in my body. And if you hadn't done all
1: that, There wouldn't be this place that we're sitting in now that is helping countless humans in their own belief systems, exactly challenging who they were thought to be versus who they know themselves to be. Like, that's some epic shit.
0: (laughs) It really is. is. It is. If you're up for the work, uh, which not everybody is, for me feels never ending. And there's always more coming up. This episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, which I'm so happy about. You've been probably seeing their products popping up in your local health food store. I see them at my Erewhon and at my local Whole Foods, and that just makes me so happy. Four Sigmatic is a wellness company that mixes shrooms and adaptogens with coffee, cacao, latte, protein powders, and edible skincare. I'm obsessed with their chaga. I'm going to tell you more about that in a second. And recently, I started to have Evan start his day with the mushroom coffee with lion's mane instead of just regular coffee. And I love, love, love this because it helps you think and feel productive without the jitters or a crash. Mushroom coffee is more than just coffee. And bonus, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It contains lion's mane, the brain's best friend. It supports focus, productivity, and Creativity during the day. Fun fact Lion's mane mushrooms have actually long been used by Buddhist monks to help them focus during meditation. Plus, it includes chaga. This is what I wanted to talk to you guys about, really. The king of all mushrooms. Right now, chaga is my favorite functional mushroom. The compounds and antioxidant properties in chaga play a huge role in supporting our immune system and maintaining its function. Actually, my girlfriend Jessica swears by this and got me hooked on it throughout the cold and flu season to keep my immunity high. And right now, given the current state of affairs, we need it more now than ever. I recommend starting your day with the king king of all mushrooms because with everything that you have going on, there's no time for a timeout. It's your daily bodyguard to keep you well. And of course, we have a special offer for Recovering From Reality podcast audience members. Receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic order. Just go to foursigmatic.com slash reality or enter code reality at checkout. That is Four Sigmatic, dot com slash reality to receive 15% off your order. So you went out, you pulled yourself up by the bootstrap. I love that you said that because that is so the mentality of the vast majority of people as we just keep on chugging along. Yep. And uh, that works for a while until it no longer works anymore. And so you started having these physical expressions of pain and you had said you you had a moment of clarity, right? Yeah.
1: And it, I would say, you know, for many people, kind of as what you're saying, I mean, yeah, I've done the work and I've written a book and I still do the work. I was in therapy right before right. <laughs> this call and I was super convinced that I had just had a miscarriage um, mm. and I still don't know what the answer is to that, but I felt something very different in my body that I've never felt before over the last couple of weeks. My period was six days late. Um, I'm so grateful that I'm sharing this even on the podcast because it's not something I've even shared with anybody, but my family Mm -hmm. and my husband is that, because I think one of the healthiest things that we can all do in our lives is to share and to be vulnerable and be open. So we realize how not alone we are in the human journey and that's what we need. It's part of our soul food. Um, And I my period was six days late and it was, that's just not normal for me. Like if anything, I can swing a little early if I'm around a lot of women Mm -hmm. and I can adjust that way. And I had the heaviest, heaviest period and it was painful and exhaustive and like almost grief feeling over the last two days. So I'm still very fresh from it. And I was able to talk about a lot of it um, with my husband and with my therapist. And I've realized that now I have clarity that I didn't have before of wanting to have a child. Yeah. And I also now have clarity that there was a part of me that was excited for some chaos making to be pregnant while I was going to go on my book tour. Yeah, <laughs> and I was yes. like, maybe people will be nicer to me if I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like that, and I say that only to remind myself and, and everyone that the journey is never ending and you can do all the mm. things and it's not about ever getting over or done with the growth. To me, it's about learning how to navigate and let the waves become maybe a little bit smaller so that you don't have to have the huge crash and the huge like up. And I was used to that in a home where there was a lot of that. So I just got used to navigating life that it needed to have some chaos sprinkled all over it in order for it to feel like real. And at some point the pain got to be too much and I was on a plane with my husband going somewhere fabulous and my head was on the seat in front of me with tears just streaming down my face because the pain was so bad. I was in my maybe late 20s, early 30s and I really questioned how much longer I would want to not even need but like want to keep living if this was my pain because I only I honestly thought it could only get worse. I never saw the outcome or the way that it could get better. And so, you know, for those that have ever experienced back pain, you know it. If you haven't experienced back pain, you might not be
0: able to associate. You might have some other degree of a pain that you struggle with. So interesting, right before my book came out in November and right before it came out, The night before the launch party, I think all of the stress and the weight of my story and all of it coming out hit me. And I went to lift a box (laughs) that I knew I shouldn't (laughs) have lifted. And I fell to the floor in agony. And I spent the entire night crying. Could not Mm. move, and I've dealt with sciatica for many years since my pregnancy. It's much better now. Thank you, Dr. Monks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're a lifesaver. We all have the An amazing chiropractor who saved me. But it's an interesting thing because, of course, you know, here I was, I was going at 100 miles an hour, I wasn't acknowledging that a lot of feelings about this book coming out were popping up. And I was like, no, I just, I got at this book party and I got all these things to do. I'm so busy and I'm so stressed and I've got all this stuff. And then it (laughs) happened. It was like a click and I fell to the floor and I called my assistant. She had to pick me up, get me up the stairs. And I couldn't stand up straight for the entire party. And I went to urgent care. They gave me pain pills to get through the next two days. They said if the nerve doesn't get better in two days, you need to have an MRI, all that stuff. But guess what? The party happened. And literally the day after, I was totally fine. Yep. It, not surprised. I just yep. needed to like face all of these people who I knew were gonna read the book and who were gonna share it and all of these things. (laughs) I just needed to have the experience. And for me I was just like too much. Yeah. And it's
1: look, and for everybody out there, you know, we all have these moments in our life that we get scared. It's a human experience and you are safe to feel fear. You are safe to feel like afraid you're safe to get nervous being vulnerable like whatever the thing is and you know for me it's it's just this reminder all the time that i came here for this human journey and part of being human is having all of these feelings mm-hmm. and if we weren't meant to have them they wouldn't exist yeah and i really believe that with all of my heart and i've given myself the gift of these practices that are so simple. And I'm sure you have many of them in your tool belt as well. But these practices that can help me find my center when everything else feels overwhelming. Yeah. And to me, it's, we talked about this right before is, I just want people, because I didn't know this, I just want people to come home to this place inside of themselves where they are their greatest nurturer, they are their greatest teacher, they are their greatest healer, their greatest lover, their greatest mother, their fo- like everything. And to remember that there is no need for needless suffering. We will suffer. That is part of being human. There is going to be suffering. But the parts of us that can take out where it's needless suffering and learn how to trust yourself and your timing and Not need to force against the natural rhythms of your life. Like that's so important
0: to me. I know. I always (laughs) say it's like instead of swimming against the uh, waves, just go with it. Yeah, pull the oars. So, what does that look like for you? (laughs) I want to know what that looks like for you. So, for me, that looks like first
1: of all, as simple and as hard as it is, checking my ego. My ego loves to do. And so I can sometimes go into this like hyper do mode. And I think that I'm being, I don't know what, like productive. And I think I'm being a good boss and a great businesswoman. And like, I'll just make up all this shit. And so an ego check is really important because every time that, and you have to know yourself, right? Socrates, know thyself. It's true. You have to know yourself to know what things kick you into the red zone. And I sometimes still fuck up and don't know. And then I have to take a couple of days to like figure out how to calibrate and get back to my balance and my like green zone. But for me on a daily basis, it's definitely checking in with myself and seeing what is an old program that's taken over the driver's seat and what is real. Um, I would say community is huge for me. For a long time, I really suffered um, and struggled alone and like showed up for everybody else and believed somehow that if everybody else was okay, then I would be okay. It's just like an old programming of being a child where you really did put somebody else in front of you. And honestly, nourishment, that's one of my biggest red flags is if I don't nourish my body with food and like hydration and the things that I need, the sustenance I need for the day, I know immediately that I will kick in like cortisol and just everything Mm. gets fucked and the back pain will start to like slowly creep in. It's a warning for me. And then, you know, I just think like radical curiosity and the curiosity to me is like, huh, Okay, your arms are getting, your armpits are getting sweaty right now before you go into this meeting. Like, what's that, Kelsey? Pause. What is that? Oh, I'm nervous that like they won't like me or that I'm not going to be good enough. Or so there's a lot of moments in the day where I ask myself to get radically curious. It's not a natural state for me. So it's this like absolute, oh, is it better for me right now to think that it will make my husband happy if I sit on the couch and watch Netflix with him? Or Do I just, am I telling myself that? But the best thing for me right now is to go journal and have a bath and connect with myself for an hour. Because the truth is he doesn't give a shit. It's just like (laughs) I make these stories up in my head. So that radical curiosity really helps. And then something as simple as a morning routine. Um, And that looks different for everybody. But there's, to me, there's a reason it's always talked about. And it's because it actually really
0: helps. Yeah, absolutely. So, the, we jumped to the tools, but um, after you were experiencing that back pain in the plane, mm-hmm. how did you go from that to, like, okay, in a way, in recovery, in the recovery space, we talk a lot about bottoms. Mm-hmm. And I always say, if only there was like a 12 step program for everyone. Yeah, I <laughs> agree. Because so many with you. people deal with like emotional <laughs> bottoms. Yeah. And so but a lot of people would just have kept moving forward. Like we said, and we talked about picking ourselves up by the bootstraps and just keep going. But at that point, something shifted for you. Yeah, I started, honestly, I just got scared. I got really scared of
1: what my life was going to look like if I didn't start to really go after the root of what this was. And I knew at that point that you know, back when I had back pain, I was, for the first time, I was working in the United States Senate on Capitol Hill. And it was my first real job out of college. So I thought that I was just experiencing what everybody experiences, like adjustment period. And then by the time I had moved to LA and I started this other big job at a Fortune 500 company, and I always had more than one job that was like, my natural. You really like to keep busy. <laughs> yeah, I like had... At one point in DC, I had like four fucking jobs.
0: Wow. Which is insane. Like unnecessary. Very, yeah. very much. I net. don't know what it's like to have that work ethic. I don't... I do not... Ha- I'm like... I can barely keep up with just this. <laughs> I am
1: learning how that is not a badge of honor yes. and how it's just like created an endless root of pain for me. Um, so, yeah, I think at that moment, I was working at this big Fortune 500 company and I was traveling a lot and my neck had gone out, like just all these things had happened. And I was in and out of yoga practice. And I always realized that I felt better after I had done yoga for two weeks, but then my mind wouldn't let me really buy into it. My mind would be like, no, but also you haven't been traveling and also... So I kind of played with all of it. And to be honest, growing up in the Midwest, I definitely thought people who meditated and did a lot of the stuff was like just fucking bullshit and like a little bit of the woo-woo. And so I was never die hard, but at that point I was so desperate with my pain that, I mean, if some healer had told me to eat like cow shit, I would have because I would have hoped that it would give me a good result. So um, I started going to different, People and I was just willing to try anything. And that was when I really started to uncover all of these old emotional patterns and holdings. And to be honest, it was, I don't know if it would have been considered a rock bottom, but it was definitely like a place I had to come to terms with. It was either just keep going and hope that this doesn't get too much worse because it's pretty unbearable. Or really go in and just dive in like head first and see what happens. And I did. And one, you know, as the universe would have it, one person led to another, led to another, led to a retreat, led to this and to that. And before you know it, I owned fitness studios and I was learning Reiki and I got my yoga certification and I just kept exploring really. And all of those things started to unravel the pain and it got a little bit better, and then a little bit better, and a little bit better. So it wasn't immediate fix. No, and it, I don't. I think people need to hear that because yes. everybody wants it.
0: Yeah. Luke's story came on the podcast uh, a couple months ago, and he said, "You know, you you go up the hill a little bit, and then a little bit down, and then up. But you're <laughs> on the upward trajectory. It's just there are moments." And for me, it's been a really long process. I think I got sober when I was 19, but up until 19, I had nonstop chaos, like wow. nonstop. And so all I'd ever known was chaos. And so, of course, I brought a little bit of that into my sobriety. Yes. Yeah, sprinkle um, it in. Got married. <laughs> Real quick. We're still happily married eight years later. Thank God I've been doing the work this whole time. Yeah, yeah. And then we had our babies really fast. But it it was like because I didn't have that space. And I remember at the time, Deborah, who was back then when I was in AA, my sponsor, saying to me like don't you think you should like slow down a little bit? But no, because I was like not wanting, I was starting to like dabble into the pain. Yeah. But really it wasn't until this last year and I'm nine years sober <laughs> in like two days. <laughs> That's be amazing. Nine years. But the last like year and a half or so where I've really started to drop the bags and really started to hit this part where it's no longer like suffering most days, you know, it's like most days are pretty good days and then there's some suffering.
1: But that's, and I mean, I would just ask you, do you believe that you could have really been present to appreciate the pretty good days now if
0: you hadn't had no. all of that right it's all a gift everyone yep. always thinks that's so weird when i say it on the podcast every single thing has been a gift yeah even i mean i'm a twice convicted felon not anymore but up until very recently <laughs> um it's all a gift yeah that moment for me when i realized that it was all a gift was a it broke down all of the woe is me belief systems. It was just like, if it's all a gift and it was all perfectly orchestrated, what are you going to do with it? (laughs) That makes me, that gives me chills
1: because I really do. Like, I'm so grateful that you, I'm not even grateful. It's your, it's your experience. It's your gratitude to have, but it's so beautiful to me to hear that awareness and that, um, that gratitude and appreciation mm. because I work with a lot of people who are still very much attached to their story mm. and to their suffering. And sometimes I still want to be too. Like
0: there are sober oh, days where I'm like all the time, mom. where I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. yeah totally. No, I can totally be there. <laughs> yeah. Recently, a lot of stuff came up with my mom, a lot of anger that I didn't yeah. even realize I had in the last year. And it wasn't until literally a couple of months ago that I was willing to be like, wait, why am I holding on to this? Like, this is a choice. You know, she was my mother for a reason. Everything has been divinely orchestrated. Here we are going to be resentful and bitter and act like a little bitch for five more years of this. Like, you don't have to do this anymore. You can just accept where she's at. work on the reparenting stuff. acknowledge that she was not the mom you needed, and move forward. And also to recognize, like, you know,
1: we are all human beings, and we all have had experiences that have shaped who we are. The part that can be frustrating, of course, is, especially if you are a family member of someone with an addiction, or if you yourself have patterns that are really challenging for you to like move through and shift from. But we're all doing the best we can. And in many of our eyes, we think that we are in our own eyes, we believe that we are doing the right thing. And for me, looking now at my parents, even because, you know, they're imperfect. And so are my husband and I in parenting my stepsons that I've been with now for over 10 years. Like, we are imperfect. And I think the more that we can all also start to look at each other of how we want to show up now, because now is all we have is the present moment without without forgetting the past, you can take that with you as information and knowledge and wisdom into the, the experience. But it's also about being open to the change and the new. And sometimes it's not about the person who made the mistakes they might be ready to shift and to change with you. It's about the person who doesn't want to let go of mm. their story and also their blame. Yeah. To, like, it's much easier for me to be able to blame my mom for shit than have mm. to deal with it and, like, upgrade.
0: <laughs> it's true. For a long time, and still, I have, I, for some reason, the whole, like, they did the best they can thing irks me. Mm. Because I'm like, well, if that's the case, then I would be a fucking horrendous parent right now because <laughs> we're all just doing the best we can. But what it was for me was a moment like, can I have empathy yeah. for where she was at in her life? And just even though the bur- there is a burden and it's 100% real that comes with being the black sheep aka the light in the family that is going to light the way to sanity if everyone else can get on board and follow the path. Um, There's a weight to that. And I've been resentful for years about the fact that it had to be me. And I'm like, they should be grateful that I got sober and like all of this stuff because it's easier to live in a place of anger and resentment than it is to just go this burden was placed on you. I don't know why it's you're here to shift generation after generation of person and not just all of those generations, but all of the people that you help in getting sober, you're going to carry this weight. You're often going to feel like you're drowning under it. Um, and really, it wasn't until like three months ago that someone asked me, are you open? Are you, when you meditate like, and you hold space for all these people all day long? Do you ever ask for people to come and hold space for you? And I was like, no, like I pay thousands of dollars. to, go to heal. No one's ever like just offering to support me in that way. Like no. Mm. And she goes, people want to do that. You just need to open yourself to it and allow for experiences to come into your life. And not even just like going to healers and stuff, but friendships and whatever, just just, like mm -hmm. having those connections. Like, are you attracting that into your life? And I'm like, no,
1: that is so (laughs) (laughs) huge because that's what I said earlier about community only. And probably I can honestly say in the last year, have I finally started to open up to receive Mm. the love that is already around me?
0: It's just like, am I going to open this? It's just an openness. It's a present. It's it's (laughs) literally, I I
1: wrote a post on Instagram today that's hilarious that we're talking about it because it was just (laughs) that. Like that there are people around who want Mm. to love you, who want to support you, but you have to let it in. In, And in order to let it in, you have to be willing to be brave. And being brave looks like vulnerable. Being brave looks like softening. Mm. (laughs) Being brave looks like I need help. It's the opposite of what everyone else thinks. It's the opposite of of what we think, like (laughs) shields and armor and like strong
0: muscles. No. And I remember. Getting into Brene Brown's work about three years ago and when I I listened to The Power of Vulnerability, I was like, oh, it all makes sense now. (laughs) And it feels
1: good. Like It does. The minute you actually start
0: to do Do it. it. I mean, Mm -hmm. if I
1: walk out in the world and I mean, I had some big things happen and I realized that if I can walk out in the world and these five, it does not have to be a lot, these five other human beings in my life so deeply, deeply love me, see me, support me, and they think I am doing fucking great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's actually all I need. I don't need 500,000 people to approve of mm-hmm. me or to validate me. I need these five people that I have chosen. It's equal, right? And that I have chosen to see me and to like share and to create space, sacred space together yeah. and giggling together. And yes. like all of the things, not just like, let's be serious and meditate and be goddess circles or whatever. Yeah. Like all the things, the silliness, the joy, the sadness, the pain, the struggle, yeah. all of that to me is where I where I resource from. And I feel like everyone has it actually already around them. You just have to start, having the conversation and to your point about being the light bearing one in the family. Mm -hmm. I was made so much fun of in the very beginning of like Reiki and what is all this shit and blah, blah, blah. And a teacher of mine said to me, so I feel like I have to say it to you now too, is what if you stopped looking at it as a burden and saw it as God's like deepest gift? And not that you don't already do that, but the minute I shifted into my perspective of it, it started to shift how I showed up to it. Mm -hmm. And even with people like my mom, like I just see her now and I know that she did the best she could. And she loved us so deeply and fiercely through it all. And I can only hope that my own children for whatever frustrations and anger and things that they feel towards me will know that at that time with the information I had and the place that I was in my life, like I did the best I could. Yeah.
0: And that's grace, which I'm learning to have more mm-hmm. and more of for um, for my parents. Yeah. It's definitely not been an e- easy experience, but, you know, it's interesting when you start softening your heart, the moments where you're able to, like you said, like drop that shield and just appreciate the moment now and not always live in the past and it's certainly not an easy thing to do but once you start doing it it's amazing the shifts that you start to experience right away and just to clarify that's not to say just accept your shitty (laughs) relationship just the way that it is and I think that when you really do dive into this work though you start to set the boundaries you need for you. And you're not setting boundaries any longer to change other people's behavior, but to support yourself.
1: Yes, it's meeting yourself in the moment. I mean, there have been many times where I've said throughout the years to my parents, I cannot swoop in and save, figure your shit out. I mean, even recently, like, and this was while I was writing the book, I uh, there was some very crazy chaotic stuff that had happened And I just told my parents, I love you both. And I need, like, I need a break and I cannot speak to you. Please, like, give me some space and I will reach out when I'm ready. And so you're exactly right. It doesn't mean that you need to keep showing up to something that is not healthy for you. I knew when I needed those boundaries. And then because I created the space for myself, I could then feel like I was supported when I was going, when I decided it was time and I was safe. And I felt good to go back into those experiences and relationships. And everybody shifted. (laughs) Like the space wasn't just for me. By the time we've had those moments of coming back together, there's everyone shifts in their own way. And it's a beautiful thing to have space.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You also work... A lot, And correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. though, with um, tapping into like your feminine energy. And I'd love to learn more about that. And I think <sighs> I've spoken about this before. And I've gotten a little bit of pushback because we're in this time period where we're talking about losing gender roles and becoming fluid and all that stuff for men too, they have a feminine side. I think (laughs) we need to acknowledge that first and foremost. Yes. And if you identify with that feminine side, amazing, but there's nothing wrong with identifying as female and wanting to tap into that divine. I mean, we are the creators of the universe of all that exists. Like it comes from Gaia from this planet and she's An amazing woman. (laughs) She's so abundant. I'm playing uh, Ariana Grande, God is a Woman in my head right now. (laughs) Uh, But also, you know, we birth, you know, from organs that are just incredible. I mean, we like grow placentas and sustain life. And it's really an amazing thing.
1: And also think about the energy of nurturing, you know, mm-hmm. like the way that um, a teacher of mine, he's so incredible, had told me I had just come back from a big trip to New York and like a bunch of pre-media stuff for the book and he and I got a cold sore and that's always my my mm-hmm. awareness. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I went in the deep end. But he told me I need to ask um, my one of my girlfriends to start from the back of the head to stroke down my spine just very slowly and to stroke down. And basically what it's doing, it's like, think about a baby when a mother just strokes Mm -hmm. their back. It's calming the central nervous system. It's like a form of nurturing. And I said, could I have my husband do it? Because I'm with him a bit more. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you can, but you're going to feel a deeper impact by a a woman doing it to you. Mm -hmm. And just stuff like that. And this energy of, when I think of the divine feminine I know that it's both in men and in women. It's like the sun and the moon, the yin and the yang. You know, we have the left hemisphere of the body is the feminine. The right hemisphere of the body is the masculine. It represents the moon and the sun. But I also think of, you know, a lot of women, and I talk about this in the book, a lot of women are suffering with autoimmune disorder and things like Hashimoto's and all of these experiences where their bodies are... Literally inflamed and like attacking themselves, right? What that means to me on an energetic and a metaphysical level is that we are opposing the natural rhythm of the way and the abilities that we have innately to exist on this planet. For women, That looks like we've been taught in order to be taken serious, we need to wear these very masculine suits that are boxy, that don't show off our bodies. We need to walk in a direct, aggressive way so that people know that we are serious and don't fuck with me. Mm -hmm.
0: And if we can never show any of our emotions, we can never, um, what was the other thing that came to mind, uh... Oh my god, it's lost on me now. But yes, it'll we, come to you. We have to behave in a certain way in yeah, order that, to be Oh, they've yeah. done studies recently that women who purposely deepen their voice, like really like women in a boardroom, I naturally have a deeper voice, but a lot of they what they saw was that women's voices outside of a boardroom were like three or four octave higher naturally, day to day then when they were in a boardroom, so they would like drop their voices so they were taken more seriously. I mean, perfect example. I don't know if you ever listened to the
1: podcast or saw the documentary about the, what's it called, Theranos, mm. about the woman who, um in Silicon Valley, she created the whole thing for the pinprick with blood to be able to get all of your... I did watch that. Yeah, and yeah. she actually had, they talked about it in the documentary, she had actually changed her voice and it was mm. very low and da-da-da-da. Mm. You know, and I think all of those are examples of women being taught or believing somehow from society that we are not allowed to be how we are in order to have the things that we want and the things that we desire to be matched. To me, I feel that practices to help us feel the integration of connecting with are natural rhythms, the natural rhythms that Mother Earth shows to us, the cycles of life. We have a period cycle mm-hmm. every single month. You know, like there are all of these rhythms and cycles that exist around us, even things like Mercury retrograde, which we're in right now. All of these things, they're not there. They are there to incite harmony. They are there to support us getting into a rhythm of living, not a forced mechanical robotic experience of life. If you look at nature, there is no fear that the leaves are gonna release from the trees yes. and die. Like she's not like, oh no, goodbye. Like Were clinging, you, are on. are you ever gonna come back? Yeah, it's you know, like, she just knows that she just come knows back. and she trusts and she releases with grace, as mm-hmm. you said. And I feel like for women, as something as simple as owning your walk again. Like let your hips sway, let your body, let your chest, obviously if you're in an area where you don't feel safe, you are going to shrink and you're going Mm. to do things. That's a natural protective awareness. That's safe. But for me, it's also about teaching women how to walk out in the world with a sense of safety and with a sense of pleasure in their divinity. Like delight your body, delight your mind, delight your soul mm. and feel the freedom that comes into your whole body and the healing, most importantly, that comes into your whole body when you get back in sync with your rhythms. Like we should not be leaving the bed the first day of our period when we are deeply bleeding Ugh, out. Like that be
0: so nice. But I'm serious. Like when I'm like cramping and on. feel like I'm dying. Like, and my, my kids wake me up at 6 a.m. Right. And I'm like, Jesus, like, can I just right, lay here right. miserable and, like, take the day off? But yes. even, like, if any other part of your body was bleeding like that, you would probably <laughs> you not leave the house. <laughs> so true. You know, and I it's think so that we have And to, you would order in. Yes. And you would eat chow mein on the couch. And you would have a blanket <laughs> on you all
1: day with your slippers and your yes. robe. I just, to me, I just care so much that both men and women but that we give ourselves permission and if if walking in a boardroom and having that stiffness and that you know if and that energy or that male i don't even mean stiffness just that male energy if that speaks to you and that's exciting to you then go for it but mm-hmm. i feel like there's too if many times we're doing times it to protect ourselves or to minimize or, or to, shrink yes, our, then our rhythm and that's when it becomes harmful yes. and it actually it is harmful because your body is closing in on itself, you're shifting your lymph nodes. Like all of us is connected to every single part. So Mm. if your mind is having negative thoughts, it's doing something physical to the body. If your body is feeling like it needs to not be beautiful and not be confident, then it's doing something to the mind. Like everything is feeding off of the other. Mm. So that to me is where we have to create these micro moments of awareness to create a macro like
0: experience for yeah. our life. It's interesting. A few months ago in meditation, I've been doing Joe Dispenza's meditations. So mm. I don't know if you've ever done them. No, I haven't, but I've heard they're oh, amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. But there's this moment where he has you do this visualization and I f- saw the world as what it used to be, mm-hmm. which is which had moments of chaos, of course, as to seasons of life and opposing tribes and threat of danger. But there were these communities of people and the women were just these, you know, gorgeous, voluptuous, curvy, beautiful goddesses, pregnant, nursing, supporting each other. And the men were these providers that were doing all... And I just saw this and then... I could like feel like in my body what it was like to, to. I think I was really out of touch when I was pregnant with my body because it was very foreign and it mm-hmm. kind of felt like it was happening to me rather than I was doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so I could feel this like swelling in my body and like the heat that was coming from it. And that heat was like energy, like it was life's like source. It was like everything that I needed in that moment. And, it, and I just thought about how there was no waste, there was no pollution, there was no, you know, all of these problems that we create for ourselves. And there was just this flow of sexuality and energy and, you know, beautiful chaos and all of the stuff. And through it, you know, you would have this journey and it just felt very like simple and perfect. And I realized in that, you know, moment that um, it was really healing for me because I was like, oh, that she like exists, like that fire in your belly, like that, that feeling, like that creation, like that energy is always there. You just have to like tap into it. That source. Yeah. And that to me is what we all
1: have the opportunity to receive mm. and in order to receive it you have to give yourself space mm. space to feel space to explore space to get curious space yeah. to not know i mean i think that's the hardest what i've seen in my practice is that's the hardest thing usually for people is just to get started yeah and it and you're right you're absolutely right it is hard to get started it is hard and it is not always something that's exciting. But you, me, everybody listening, sorry, but none of us are fucking special. It's hard for all of us. Yeah, You know, like people think, oh, well, you you do this for a living. So it's easier for you to move your body and go to the gym. It's easier for you to eat healthy because you live in LA and you... Da, da, da. And there's some truths, of course, and, and I'm not at all unaware of of privilege and
0: the socioeconomic status. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But I also know that it is a choice to show up to practices and it is a choice. And some days I don't choose it and I'm pretty miserable.
0: Yeah. It and it's simple, simple stuff. And um we've talked about this on the podcast before. It's regulating sleep. It's seeing a counselor or a therapist. It's getting out in nature at least four days a week for over an hour. Going on a hike, a walk, whatever it might be. Feeling the sun on your face. If you're in a place where it's extremely cold, uh, get a salt lamp and have that warm amber light in your home and in your environment. Um, Even having pictures of nature they've shown and MRIs increase people's dopamine immediately. So sleep. Oh, and then the last thing is uh, meditation. And if you can eat more clean, if you can reduce your sugar intake and increase your protein intake and get in a few more fruits and vegetables, great. But it's these baby steps that really just take, you know, very little effort. Totally. And the you know, and then before you know it, you are hitting the gym three days a week and you are doing the yoga practice in the morning and you are doing the breath work and you are doing the meditation and you will see pretty much immediate immediate growth and, and change shifts, and like shifts in the your emails life.
1: Emails that come yeah. in your inbox are more exciting. And mm. I, the one thing I would add to that is community. Is oh, yes. Having of Like for me, one of the fastest ways to get out of your own shit is invite four people over for Mm -hmm. dinner, make a big bowl of pasta or like whatever is easier and just like talk or like break bread together. Mm -hmm. You know, the minute that we share and we eat and we connect and we talk, like everything can just feel a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Give me the name of your book because I don't even know. (laughs) Yeah, Of course. (laughs) And when does it come out? So the book is called Burning Bright, and
1: it's how to basically self-care and self-heal from burnout, stress, pain, and anxiety. And it comes out on April 28th of this year with Penguin Random House. Mm. And yeah, there's like a few um, incentives where you get free meditations and workbooks um, so that you can create community um, through the book or you can have these practices. Because to me, it's really important. I just want to create zero barriers of entry so that people can have access to these things and not have to feel like they need to spend thousands of dollars to begin this work because everyone's worthy of it and everyone Mm. is capable of it if you just give yourself space
0: yeah thank you so much i'll have all of this information in the show notes you guys and i'm holding space for you all this was a heavy episode so thank you for listening and making it through and i hope you have an incredible week This week's affirmation is I am worthy of love. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at recoveringfromreality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com.